Hi, I'm Kim Polishuk. And I'm Jen Giffen from Shooks and Giff, the the podcast. podcast. A part of the Education Podcast Network. Just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. District leaders nationwide have confirmed that online learning is here to stay. As one in five districts are planning to adopt or have already adopted a fully online school. With the evolving landscape in the competitive field of education, you might be wondering what you can do to stand out. Well, I encourage you to look into National Virtual Teacher Association, or NVTA, to pursue a college-accredited program recognized by states across the country to certify educators in online education. Their certification empowers educators to provide the world-class virtual instruction that every student deserves. The average teacher needs one semester to complete the program, and it culminates in a digital portfolio that you may use in job interviews or even with your current administration to, you know, (laughs) negotiate a raise or promotion. Some of the topics to be covered in the certification include establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources. The NVTA certification process was created to establish a valid and reliable research-based teacher qualification training process for virtual teachers to enhance their teaching and develop their ongoing reflective skills to improve teaching capacity. NVTA certification is a challenging and meaningful process to support your personal and professional goals. NVTA is an affiliate partner for Teaching Learning Leading K-12. Click the link in the show notes or go to my webpage, stephenmoletto.com, find the NVTA logo and go to their website that way. And if you do that, if you buy something, Teaching Learning Leading K-12 gets a commission and I greatly thank you for that. So go check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Adam Geller, who is the founder and CEO of Edthena and the author of Evidence of Practice, Playbook for Video-Powered Professional Learning. Adam was previously on the show on episode 279, which was posted in February of 2020. Yeah, lots has happened since then. Today we are focused on using video to provide feedback and support for the classroom teacher, regardless of teaching in person, hybrid, or remote. Lots to learn today. You're going to like this discussion. Thanks for listening. And by the way, before you go, could you do me a favor and open that app you're listening to me on and go in there and rate and review the podcast? Yeah, you can usually do this easily from your phone. You just slide down and you'll find that area where it says rate and review and you can go in there. That would be so cool if you did that. Thanks so much. Enjoy. Hey, did you know that you can buy me a soft drink? That's right. By going to buymeacoffee.com slash Stephen Maletto. You can support Teaching Learning Leading K-12 by making a donation. And it's really cool. We got this little cool uh, soft drink cup right there. <laughs> that would be so awesome if you'd do that. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash Stephen Maletto, and you can help support Teaching Learning Leading K-12. Thank you so much. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Adam Geller is the founder and CEO of Edthena. He started his career in education as a science teacher in St. Louis, Missouri. 
Since 2011, Adam has overseen the evolution of Edthena from a paper-based prototype into a research-informed and patented platform used by schools, districts, teacher training programs, and professional development providers. Adam has written on education technology topics for various publications, including Education Week, Forbes, and Ed Surge, and he has been an, an invited speaker about education technology and teacher training for conferences at home and abroad. Adam is the author of Evidence of Practice, Playbook for Video-Powered Professional Learning, written with Annie Lewis O'Donnell. You can catch Adam's original interview with me on episode 279 of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. Today, Adam is here to talk about using video to provide feedback and support for the classroom teacher, regardless of teaching, you know, whether the teaching's happening in person it's hybrid or it's remote. Adam, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Well, hi, everyone. It's so great to be back. Uh, and uh, man, a lot has certainly transpired since we spoke last. It sure has. You know, it's 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 funny because, uh, you know, I looked at our information and uh, it's like, wow, we, well, it's over a, a little more than a year ago when we talked and a lot has gone on. So we're going to come back to that in just a minute because I can't wait to hear how that that. What that happened in what happened in your world as a result of that. But before we do that, I mean, you're the founder and CEO of Edthena. Uh, could you explain why you created Edthena and what's its purpose? Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, the the genesis of Edthena starts from my first year as a classroom teacher, and uh, I was a ninth grade science teacher, and like every first year teacher, wanted to be the best teacher I could be, uh, and uh, help my students achieve their fullest potential. And uh, you know, when you're a new teacher, or even a, a mid career or later career teacher, that means that you need some feedback. And um, my principal, I always like to say, she was very upfront with me. She didn't necessarily have a background supporting science teachers, um, which meant that I didn't really have anyone in my building who could come observe me and give me feedback. Uh, so that experience of, you know, wanting to get better and knowing that you need some outside eyes on your instruction really was a theme that followed me as I, I continued along the way and started to realize, wait a second, this this wasn't a problem that Adam Geller experienced in his one science classroom on the north side of St. Louis, Missouri, but this is actually a structural challenge that impacts most districts and most schools of education, that having the right person in the right place at the right time is really hard. And, uh, you know, I kind of had a, a moment where I thought, wait a second, maybe we could use some technology to, to solve for that problem. That's cool. I love that. And, it, you know, yeah, you're right. It, it's unfortunately a common experience when you talk about uh, feedback or that lack thereof. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, sometimes I've got, you know, back way back in the beginning of my teaching career, I can remember uh, um, getting a little note that said, uh, hey, great job. And I was like, who? It was a fly on the wall, I think. I'm not sure that, that person was actually in the in the room at some point when they were talking about. But, hey, maybe they got me confused with somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> I get the wrong feedback. Um, but, you know, well, I appreciate you t talking about that because we're going to get into uh, – um, we're going to kind of wrap this all around Athena and what you can do to help with feedback here in a minute. But before we do that, let's – you know, you last appeared on episode 279 of this podcast, which was posted on February 1st of 2020. And, uh, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning was, uh, yeah, a lot's gone on since uh, we, we talked originally. Uh, just prior to everyone starting to realize that there was a virus that was going to disrupt our world, let's start by talking about how the pandemic interrupted what you do. I mean, what challenges did you face over the last year? 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, as someone who sits outside of a school district, but we're obviously intimately connected to schools and school districts and schools of education, um, you know, as, as a company, we absolutely felt uh, the impact of the pandemic and the ways that it was impacting teaching and learning. Uh, so, you know, right at the very beginning of the pandemic, when the kind of norm and, and expected went from everybody's in classrooms five days a week to we're all at home, what do we do? Uh, that we found ourselves, uh, you know, I'll admit in the first couple of weeks, same as everyone else, like looking for which way is up. Uh, but we quickly realized that we could still be a strong partner for those school leaders, for those instructional coaches, for those teacher leaders who, you know, are were trying to help teachers come up with new ways to define what virtual teaching would look like and hybrid, uh, ultimately hybrid teaching would look like. You know, I, I kind of joked that, it was um, almost like every teacher was back in the in in the first days of school all over again, and that presented a real need uh, as well as an opportunity to come up with some perspectives, if you will, on uh, how to do the process of figuring out how to define you know, what this new vision uh, for in good instruction and good teaching and learning uh, would look like. So I think that's where we. Um, kind of shifted on our end. I think also, you know, um, what the the ways that people were able to layer in uh, feedback into their work uh, started to change. So, um, you know, I think we had to, uh, well, you, you just heard me there taking the deep breath a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, we had to be better at taking the deep breath and uh, be understanding and be the type of partner for, you know, our, our school districts who, you know, came back to us when, when they were using Athena less. And they were saying, look, like, nothing's wrong with Athena, but like the whole like world's on fire right now. We, we like, we know this is important, but we can't get to it yet. And um, even though as someone who thinks every single day about teacher professional learning and teacher reflection and, and the critical importance that is uh, for teachers in order for them to be successful, um, you know, we had to, um, you know, be okay, if you will, applying less, uh, not, not, it's not pressure, right? But like, like uh, a, a for, you know, if, if our job is is to stand behind people and, and help hold them up, uh, you know, be okay if if you know just doing what they asked us, which was a different mode of operating for us because typically we're very uh, active and engaged on the ground. I mean, we aren't going physically, but uh, you know, with what is happening on a day to day basis with teacher reflection and teacher feedback and um, being patient, you know, take that deep breath. It's, it's, yeah, there are a lot of people taking a deep breath. <laughs> it's like, okay. We're still taking a deep breath. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're, it's kind of like, hey, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, this, there, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't ever took a class on dealing with pandemics. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, someone left that chapter out. We're, we got to work on that. So, so let's remind everyone about your book, uh, Evidence of Practice, Playbook for Video-Powered Professional Learning, uh, written with Annie Lewis O'Donnell. Your, your book focuses on how to use video to help teachers improve. Could you share a little bit about your book? Absolutely. So um, the kind of... Uh, Biggest part of the book, uh, there's like a part one and a part two. So the part two, which is most of the book, is 12 strategies for implementing video within 
professional learning. Uh, so why is that important? Well, first of all, they're not, uh, as I was coached uh, by uh, someone who I trust her opinion greatly, she's like, don't call them activities. These are not activities, they are strategies. Uh, <laughs> but these are really, um, you know, it's a playbook, but if we didn't have that word on it, I would call them recipes, right? So uh, meant to be tacti tactical and practical for the coach, the school leader, whoever it is that's thinking about um, structuring and designing professional learning experiences, giving them a concrete way to start to visualize how video can be a part of that process. So um, as an example, um, they, well, they, they first of all, they go from the uh, less complex to the to the quite complex. Uh, at the at the most complex end, uh, there's a a chapter about um, bringing the process of Japanese style lesson study online. Uh, but I think it's those uh, strategies that are at the beginning of the spectrum that really help people get started with video uh, that are still really high value for for teachers. Um, that is why people uh, have, have provided feedback that they, they value the book. Uh, so as an example of that, there's one in there that I, I really love uh, and I'm, I'm holding onto my desk so I don't get too excited here. Cause I, I always love, this is my, my soapbox uh, thing. <laughs> I love to I love to talk about. There's one called pre-teach. Um, so this is a change from, uh, you know, the, the teacher certification context, which you'd call the micro teaching, bringing that into the real world for practicing teachers. So what does that look like? You know, for the, you know, elementary teacher teaching a, a critical lesson about dividing fractions to her, his or her students, uh, they could actually practice the core example or the, the kind of crux of that lesson uh, and share it with a coach or a colleague. So maybe we're talking about 90 seconds, two minutes of video before the teaching ever happens. Uh, the reason why I get so excited and why this is so powerful is that this is an example about how video as a tool for teacher learning can actually change teacher practice before it ever happens with students. And I've actually seen examples of this working where the teacher uh, shared an example, a pre-teach video. The example she happened to use in that video was a little bit confusing, and the person providing feedback was able to adjust the example before it ever happened with students. Think about how amazing that is uh, to have a tool where you can basically avoid the outcome of a lesson being most of your students being confused and having to reteach the whole thing. So um, that's, I guess, one example in the book. Uh, we also have... Um, you know, for lack of a better word, a, a vocabulary or framework for engaging with video. Uh, so those are the what we call the focusing techniques. Uh, and there are five of those. Um, and it's important to know that those exist because you don't want to think about video uh, as, you know, a one-to-one -one, uh, equal to how you would think about interacting with in-person evidence. You know, you, you need to approach it differently. Uh, and also, of course, with video, teachers now can start to analyze themselves. Uh, and you need to give teachers tools for and strategies for how to do that. That's awesome, and, and it's a very it's very practical, hands on, easy to easy to read, easy to use book, and uh, um, it's uh, great stuff there. And if you guys go back to uh, um, episode uh, two seventy nine, you can listen to Adam talk in a little more detail about uh, his book called Evidence of Practice: Playbook for Video Powered Professional Learning. Good stuff. So, uh, so Adam, let's let let's start here. Let's go in early spring last year, you know, suddenly schools were closing and we're trying to figure out how to go remote. Um, let's talk about the challenges that we saw them immediately face. What, what types of things were you seeing? Can I tell you a lot about what we were seeing? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Man, at the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, and still today, I think, unfortunately for some students, you were hearing a lot about um, students not having access to the technology they needed to be learning at home. And, um, I, I, you know, again, I, I don't want to imply or pretend that that problem has been solved. I think we've all made been able to make a lot of headway um, in the past year. Uh, and obviously, many students are back in classrooms now as well. Um, but I think that particular challenge is interesting because um, one of the kind of most inspiring things I saw happen uh, was uh, a district leader recorded an example for her teachers in the district. So this is a district leader, a chief academic officer, um, in fact, providing a model of what a new style of teaching could look like. And she actually recorded a, um, a how-to it is a video that modeled what teachers would do if they recorded a video of themselves teaching parents how to teach a lesson to their students, right? Um, which is, you know, a little bit like, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the movie Inception, right? Like, like, you know, it's like you're seeing it three degrees before, before the student sees it, yes, nice. but so cool, right? Because uh, number one, very innovative example or example of how teaching constantly is innovative, right? But in that particular moment, adapting to the challenges of that particular district, um, the kind of leadership that's out there among uh, teachers as well as district leaders to kind of push through the uncertainty, find ways to make change. Um, but also in this particular example, um, using video to scale up a best practice, um, you know, the idea of using video to scale best practices works when you were, you know, roll back the clock, Two, two years, that worked two years ago. It certainly works when uh, teachers might be teaching from from their kitchen table. Uh, so I think that's an example of, of things we saw changing, uh, certainly lots of innovation. I think, of course, the other thing that changed um, and we started to see uh, happening as it relates to what was happening inside of Edthena is as more teachers had access to teaching in online spaces. Uh, you know, I think we all use the, the phrase now, Zoom teaching. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like Band-Aid, right? Like it's Yes. good on zoom they're they're like the default word now but of course that represents a lot of different styles of synchronous video conference style teaching there really were a ton of questions and needs to you know step back reflect on that teaching figure out what was working what wasn't um you know i uh talk with uh, the author doug fisher and um, he mentioned, you know, he reminded me that, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic in his school, because he's still a, um, a practicing teacher that, you know, the kind of stance was, okay, we're all going to get on video and kind of lecture. <laughs> um, and of course, that's not good teaching. Um, and so how did you adjust and adapt this kind of concept of video conference style teaching um, and still make it rich, interactive, and importantly, uh, generative for the students, right? Because, um you know, I don't think anybody wants to be feeling like they're, you know, contributing to the, uh, for lack of a better word, like butts and seats kind of uh, realities that that are part of, you know, some aspects of education, unfortunately. Um, you know, it was a moment to kind of think creatively, uh, but also needing to kind of think differently about what teaching should look like. 
So much so. And I mean, it's cool the different stuff that you experience that you're sharing. Because, you know, it's, you know, one of the things that happened I mean, that we experienced immediately was exactly what you said. You had some people said, oh, I'll, I'll just copy about three weeks worth of worksheets and I'll give them to them and say, get these done. And then there are others who are actually trying to, to teach and so forth. And I thought that was one of the biggest, it's like, oh my gosh, three weeks worth of worksheets? What the heck? <laughs> and uh, just any number of things started happening. And uh um, and I think one of the things that really happened also is that, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I've been using Zoom for this, by the way, I'm not sponsored by them. So this is not a, uh, <laughs> not a commercial, but the, uh, I, I, I've been using Zoom for a couple of years because I switched from uh, Skype and, uh, and I started using uh, Zoom several years ago and you know, I'd run into people who had never heard of it and stuff like this. And I'd say, well, this is what's going to happen and this is how it works. Well, what's funny is one of the things that's happened since last March, April, May is that uh, now lots of teachers have become experts at <laughs> at least holding class and uh, t- communicating by Zoom. And, and and like some of us are, you know, having a little zoomed out. Matter of fact, uh, you know, once again, uh, I'm going to name another name brand here that I have nothing <laughs> that does have nothing to do with my show. But I love the commercial pro- that Progressive has out. Have you seen that one where they make fun of the? The meetings with the, they're trying to have a team meeting. There's somebody doesn't realize their mic's on. There's somebody else who's talking and their mic is off. And, uh, you know, anyway, just, <laughs> I think it's, we have this whole new. Wait, was, I, was I muted while you were telling that story? I was responding, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you. No, I, I, I agree with you. You know, I think, um, you know, what's funny is I'm, I'm rethinking my answer to the, to the prior question. What I really should have said is, you know, what did I see? I saw that, you know, in a matter of weeks, we went from a world where the majority of teachers may have told you I've never been on video as uh, while teaching to a world where almost every single teacher has been on video, um, which, um, you know, in, in my line of work uh, is a pretty, uh, pretty tectonic shift uh, in terms of, um you know, really our, our readiness to utilize video within the education space. So I, I don't want, I, I, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm hinting at and dancing around <laughs> saying use it for professional learning, but also for teaching with students, right? I mean, right. you know, uh, I, I, I have before the pandemic been known to say things like, you know, it's absolutely silly that we aren't using more video with teachers and professional learning. Like uh, videos in classrooms are nothing to the students. They live in a world where they've never known a world without high definition video cameras in in our pockets. Right. And so uh, that was the, before the pandemic uh, banging of the fist, if you will. And now I think we're just at this place where, you know, we've all, we've, we've, uh, ripped off the bandaid, you know, it's (laughs) like, uh, we had to do it. And so we did. Um, and, uh, you know, I think in good news, it really, it shows that, um, the change is always, I, I never hear anybody describe change as easy or, uh, you know, Oh, I loved it. You know, because, you know, we're creatures of habit. But the reality here is, is that we can all look back on the past year, especially within education, which sometimes from outsiders gets labeled as an industry and and a sector that is not innovative, which, of course, is not true. Uh, But as a sector overall, as, as 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 a profession, 
such dramatic change needing to happen and did happen. And yes, that's true in a lot of our lives, but I, I think that, you know, educators are going to reflect on the past year and use that experience to pave the way for some really innovative versions of what education will look like going forward. Because um, for all the times that uh, a new idea or a new system or a new process was brought up and the kind of counter to trying to take action on it was, oh man, well, but how are we going to, and then long list of things that block change, uh, I think now we know we can, we, we can all uh, sustain more change than maybe we were willing to admit. <laughs> I think it's a good point. I mean, it's, a, it's a very good point. You look at, uh, I mean, because some of this is it's literally ripping the Band-Aid off because it's like, I, you know, you, you can say you don't want to go that direction all you want to, but it ain't going to wait for you. So you better either rip it off and catch up or or you're going to be sitting way back here talking about three weeks of worksheets and people are going to throw you overboard. And, you know, and it's it's funny. By the way, I got to say something. Uh, earlier, you made a reference that very good former science teacher reference. I mean, what a what a nice uh, word to use, tectonic disruption or change, whatever you said. Like, nice. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, you're on a roll, so I didn't want to interrupt you with that, that goofy statement. But it's like, yeah, he, he, he was a former science teacher, wasn't he? We're going to have that tectonic Slips out shift. every now and again. <laughs> awesome <laughs> stuff, man. Because it, it really is a relapse. It's a relapse. <laughs> it's a relapse. <laughs> I like that. It's, it's really a cool shift because, you know, suddenly, like you said, suddenly teachers are very, whether they're comfortable or not, they're very used to being on video. And, you know, something else that you, you referenced, which I think, thought was really cool, was, you know, the kids really have been operating in this world where, you know, if you, if you go into the, the, the ones who are gamers, I mean, sometimes they might have little pictures of the person who they're, you know, it, it may not be a real picture. It may be, you know, like an org or a, <laughs> an oak, uh, uh, you know, different characters, whatever, elf, um, you know, or something like that. Orcs, that's the word I was looking for, or something like that. But it's, you know, they, they've... You know, they're um, collaborating and participating with with people in these different games that they may never meet whatsoever, and they're learning from them, whether good or bad. <laughs> um, but in this world, and it's funny because most of the adults have not been in in that type of environment, and so it, I think the kids have a little more comfort with it than uh, if they would if the adults would do it right. I guess. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think um, you know this idea of not having a choice about the change, right? I mean, I think, uh, again, if I, if I think back to before the pandemic and the advice that I would give if people are like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about using video as part of professional learning for video reflection, teacher growth, um, you know, but fill in the blank thing is not happening as, as quickly. And, you know, you dig in and it would turn out that they had positioned uh, video as this kind of, innovative, optional idea for teachers to use within their professional learning practice. Uh, and, and even worse, maybe say things like, oh, well, you know, you could record yourself and share a video to me, or, you know, I can come observe you next week. And as the classic example of like, even the like best teachers who, who wanted to have the most impact with their students, even those teachers might, you know, succumb to the kind of that kind of trap that we find ourselves in where we're like, well, you know, like 
It would be less, it might be painful for me to wait for another week, but I, I'll just wait and you'll come because then I don't have to change the thing I know or that I've already know how to do, which is just, you know, I'll be in here teaching and you come in and observe me, right? Like, and this is a, a you know, I'm telling the story here of video reflection for teacher learning, but, you know, I think we, we know that's true um, in all aspects of our lives, right? I mean, making change is hard. Uh, I think the kind of opportunity here is to think, okay, we know we can make changes. So let's actually commit to the discomfort and just like go with it and push through it. Because I I think that's the kind of big aha of the last year is like, we're much more capable of pushing through it than I think we ever thought, whatever it is, you know, making a a hard change in what instruction looks like in a, in a school, uh, making a change with how we engage parents and the school community, um, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, you just kind of, sometimes it, you got to push through. You got that right. You got that so right. And that's, that's really kind of, I think that's kind of what people started happening in their heads as the further we got into this and realized, well, it's not just going away in six weeks type thing. And, uh, and then suddenly I think some of those gears started clicking in why they became teachers in the first place and why they be you know, got in, involved in uh, education in the first place, the idea to be creative and innovative and try and figure things out started popping through. So it's, it's kind of cool stuff. So, you know, Adam, many schools and systems mean well and have tried to provide professional development to help with the transition to remote and hybrid learning. And what thoughts do you have about professional learning, especially under the current conditions? Oh, I have a, I have a, a strong set of thoughts here. Uh, <laughs> I, for some reason, I thought Especially so, yes. based on some of what I've been hearing uh, in the past year. So um, I think first thought slash admonition is, you know, please, let's not turn professional development and professional learning into a dirty word because we're filling all of that time with, uh, for lack of a better word, technical training. Uh, and don't get me wrong, technical training is absolutely important, but it is absolutely not what we mean when we say teachers need opportunities to continually increase their effectiveness. Um, so I think that's the first thing we, we really have to be honest with ourselves about. Um, this is happening Uh, certainly during the pandemic, but it's also happening structurally, even in the way that schools and districts allocate their coaching capacity, uh, where they now, instead of having instructional coaches, have the technology coaches doing technology training and instructional coaching. And, And I understand that that it may not be possible to have more people, but you know, sometimes the words and the labels matter. And so, uh, look, I think we're all doing a disservice if we, um, don't carve out the professional learning time separate from the technical training time. Um, Other thoughts here. um, You know, I think that the other thing I I, I have seen um, in the past year, which I think has been unfortunate is kind of pushing that professional development down the list against the admittedly other urgent and important priorities. Um, so I, I think, you know, as we're all kind of working through not just the, the kind of this spring set of questions around um, coming back to classrooms or hybrid teaching or still doing online teaching, but really importantly, as we think forward into next school year and, um, you know, the quite sizable set of challenges that all educators have 
in relation to helping uh, their students, you know, reemerge back into full in-person learning, do the, the the quite difficult work of of combating the learning loss that's happened in the past year. We're going to need to create more space for that professional learning, and especially now that teachers have had a taste of a world where things can be asynchronous, uh, especially for their students, find ways that the learning for the adults can continue to be high quality and personalized, but convenient because, you know, uh, you want teachers to say that they, they want professional learning and, um, get that right. (laughs) I I think, I, I mean, I'm a big believer that the reason you become a teacher is you want to have impact. And the way that you have impact is you constantly get better. I believe that through and through. Uh, and so I, I use that mindset when I think about teachers in their day to day, even right now, they still, of course, they, you know, why are they still showing up and whatever that means to show up because they want to have that impact. Um, so if we think that that's true, let's make sure that we, use the idea of professional learning opportunities almost as like a reward for the job. Like, yeah, the, the system around you wants to enable you to lift yourself up to the next level. Um, and so I think for that to be true, we have to offer higher quality, more personalized professional learning, um, you know, as it relates to, to my work. Um, and we can get into the, you know, the research of why I'm so passionate about this, but, you know, giving feedback on actual teaching implementation is critical to helping teachers get better. Um, That's not Adam Geller saying that that's, you know, decades of academic research saying that that's the decade. That's the, the underpinnings of why people can justify investing in instructional coaching, because at the end of the day, it's feedback on actual implementation that helps teachers get better. If that wasn't the case, we'd do a million workshops, of course, we all know in our gut, a workshop isn't going to get the job done, but the research also shows us the workshop isn't going to get the job done. So, you know, it means for, for leaders uh, prioritizing the time, prioritizing the budgets, prioritizing this as an idea that they give airtime to uh, in front of their teachers so that teachers, you know, feel like they're being lifted up by these opportunities and that they, they want to take advantage of them rather than feeling like professional learning is some extra burden on top of the very long list of duties that, that teachers uh, have these days. Yeah, that's, that's so right. That's uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, you don't want it to be, feel like it's just one more thing I got to do. And then as opposed to, I'm looking forward to, to hearing uh, that, it, that information today because it's going to help me do, you know, whatever, fill in the blank and, just so just so important for that that feeling to be that way. So let's talk a little bit about feedback. I mean, let's talk about uh, the types of feedback that are that are helpful. I mean, because that's you know, because you know, a smiley face and a check mark and a great job are not exactly what you want, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You don't want that. You also don't want uh, the kind of core of feedback or even reflection to be about what do I look like or how do I sound or do I use ums and uhs in my speech pattern, right? And right. that's not making the difference for understanding whether or not students are getting it, right? Um, 
you know, I think when it comes to feedback, uh, there are lots of different f- types of feedback, of course, that that are right for teachers at different moments in time. And, you know, we've used feedback and, and sometimes they use coaching interchangeably. And of course, coaching is not the same thing as, you know, observation and feedback necessarily. It's it's not necessarily the same thing as self-reflection. So I want to acknowledge that, um, you know, sometimes teachers want that tactical idea of, what should I change to get better tomorrow? Um, and sometimes teachers want and are ready to be guided to find those answers on their own. Uh, so I think feedback encompasses that that spectrum. And um, I think for me, uh, you know, the critical thing needs to be that we anchor feedback in actual evidence of what's happening. And that means not... Uh, relying on, you know, Steve, if you came to, to, to observe me, not relying on your recollection of what you saw in my teaching environment, um, you know, because number one, you may not be a reliable observer, sorry to tell you. What? what? <laughs> and, Come on. And, well, you, you know, uh, <laughs> you, you probably forgot that really important thing and forgot to mention it. Uh, and number two, uh, of course, like, what if I don't believe you? <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> right? Um, so let's make sure that we anchor our feedback in evidence. Evidence of the teaching practice through, you know, obviously I'm going to say video recording, um, you know, capturing the actual teaching, but also capturing the learning, right? Videos of students saying out loud what they're thinking, um, looking at student work, uh, really comparing things like what was my plan for this lesson uh, or this unit and what actually happened. Um, because those are the types of things, those are the, that's the type of feedback where you, you're anchored in evidence. Uh, you, you know, you're anchored to, um, uh, as Jim Knight says, a, a clear picture of your current reality. That's, that's the phrase he likes. Uh, so I make sure to credit him. Uh, I heard him say that first, but you know, we've got to make sure that feedback is anchored in reality if we're actually going to get better. And Hey, reality can sometimes be uncomfortable, but unless you're willing to, and you have to be willing, right? As the teacher, you have to be willing to actually uh, engage, but you know, once that is true and, you know, you need trust and, and all kinds of other things in, in place, that's when teachers can start to, access the information that they need to really make meaningful change. Um, so anchor it in evidence and anchor it in actual uh, anchor feedback against actual things that happened in the, in the performance uh, uh, of the duties. Right. So, right. Um, you know, I mentioned the lesson plan before <laughs> looking at a lesson plan, just to check off that you had a lesson plan. I don't want to say it's, not useful. That's a, that's maybe useful for some other things, but uh, that's not feedback. Let's just say, right? Because that's not about the implementation. That's about the planning. Um, and feedback is is really about helping someone understand um, what did they intend to achieve and what did they achieve, and and how did they close that gap? Yeah, I mean, it's there's any number of things that you could reference, but I I have to uh, to say that it uh, you know there's with it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because like the, the lesson plan, that's, you know, it's important for making sure that you're not flying by the seat of your pants and that you're doing things. Now, people get a little too caught up in what it looks like. You know, it's, <laughs> it must look this way. And that has issues of its own. But the, uh, 
Uh, but there's there's lots of aspects of instruction that, you know, it's just like if you don't realize that uh, you're calling on the same kids over and over again because they're the ones who either have the answer or if you don't call on them, they're gonna, there's going to be total chaos. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Um, but then what about a kid like Steve who Steve lives in that world, which means that if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, this is in a regular classroom, obviously, but uh, you know, if I'm, if I, uh, I live in that world, I live for that world. And I did by the way, because I made sure that when I came in the classroom, I, uh, I'm not going to create a disturbance for you. I turned in my homework. I was supposed to, and I looked at you so that you thought I was definitely paying attention. And it doesn't matter that I might've been off on, you know, the planet of, you know, off on the Battlestar Galactica spaceship or something like that. But it, you know, it's, <laughs> kind of tell what years I was talking about, but the, uh, <laughs> but it, uh, I've seen that show too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but the, uh, um, but you know, it's, it, I lived in that world because you could tell when some teachers, they're, they're only going to focus on those other, those two groups of kids, the one that they know they're definitely getting the right answer from. And the one that if they don't call on them pretty soon, they're going to have some sort of issue. And so then the, the quiet kid who looks like he's, who doesn't cause you any issues, doesn't get called on, which means that, you don't know if I'm getting it until I go to demonstrate that for you. <laughs> right. You know, and let's just, you know, make this idea concrete, right? Like, like let's bring this into practical terms for why a video of that classroom experience uh, that you're talking about would be so powerful. You know, imagine the, the coach or maybe the teacher on his or her own decides, like, I want to examine checks for understanding within my classroom. Uh, being able to look at that video and actually you know, maybe even just count how many different students did I call on, right? It's, it, it is, um, it's suddenly a, it, it is data. It is a fact. It is not an opinion, right? It's not someone, it's not how the teacher felt about whether or not they were calling on you. It's not uh, the coach's opinion on whether or not it was important to call on you. It's just, data at that point in the same way we, uh, you know, we all, uh, we all talk about analyzing student data, right? Like it, it, it is a representation of the facts, right? Video is data that helps you then decide, uh, you know, what's the implication of what we're seeing, right? And so it, it is that analysis that is in some ways the feedback, right? Because I, I was hesitating there to say the word feedback because, I don't want to suggest that the only way to interact here is that, um, you know, teacher records, teacher sends video to someone that someone gives the quote feedback, right? I feel like teachers can give themselves feedback. Uh, It's really just, um, you know, like many things in education, we start using words uh, to, you know, for example, uh, in my world, I would say for a while, uh, you know, Athena, it's a video coaching platform. Well, you know, that had a very specific meaning for some people that was too uh, narrow and different from what they were envisioning. I was using that word to mean a zone of activity. I think we're using the word feedback here to mean a zone of activity, which is really the kind of uh, deliberate, engaged uh, analysis of what actually is happening from a teaching and learning standpoint. Ooh, I like that. Um, I like that. That's, that's what I think good feedback is. I, I obviously am very passionate that, that video can help people engage in that style of feedback. Uh, but I think that's really what, you know, 
no no teacher wants to know whether or not you thought the objective was on the board and, and clear enough type, right? What they want to know was like the so what. Uh, again, if we assume they came to do the best they could do, the so what of what they did and what they should change differently going forward. Yeah, exactly. That's that's perfect. I like that. I like that a lot. It, I, um, yeah, about made me laugh out loud there. Uh, whatever that was that. LOL. What? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not good in those with the texting. But the, uh, you know, one of the things is that, uh, you know, it because there are there's lots of that stuff that physically looking around the room and stuff like this. I mean, you know, that uh, people can get focused on when you know what the teacher's looking for is that you, you know, okay, I can get some of that stuff kind of doing better. But what do you think? You know. What about what's really my interactions with the kids and what's going on in the classroom? And I think, you know, one of the things that happens, if you can really have a good conversation about this, one something that you said earlier was the teacher can, if they'll be honest with themselves, they watch themselves on video, they can give themselves good feedback if they'll be critical and, you know, to be their own critical friend, which is like, you know, other than the example I gave before, there's so many different other uh, uh, things to think about. For example, like you thought you spent only like 15 minutes on this, this core part of the lesson and then did some sort of uh, let's work now on the lesson so you can show me whether you got it or not. And instead what you found out is that you actually worked for 40 minutes on the lesson <laughs> and you look around the room and you start seeing noticing when the kids start getting a little bit bored with the fact that they're still doing the same thing. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Well, let me, let me kind of uh, share for your listeners, maybe an idea of, you know, how can you turn this whole idea of feedback, you know, if we're really meaning like t reflection on actual teaching, how can you rethink that, especially as we go forward? Um, so, you know, something that we see happening inside Athena is we have a, a tool set that helps um, essentially design a learning cycle. Uh, so what can these tools be used for? Well, uh, you know, a popular style of learning that that's happening right now is the idea of micro credentials, which basically means uh, someone has defined uh, a set of skills that teachers should work to master, and then they need to demonstrate mastery. Well, you know, that doesn't have to be some kind of uh, nebulous thing out there. It doesn't have to be external to the school or the district. It could be as simple as, um, you know, we want to look at, what we were talking before about checks for understanding, you know, maybe it's a, a kind of a, a learning cycle, a learning pathway about checks for understanding. And you provide some examples for teachers to analyze themselves. You empower teachers to implement those in their classrooms and gather the evidence of them, of their implementation. You ask them to reflect on that and then share that kind of bundle of evidence with someone who is the, the person with the authority to issue the micro credential or issue the badge. You know, there are, there are, that's a, a, you know, I think that's why the idea of micro credentials are exciting in education because it changes this question of like, how do you give good feedback and, and how do you empower teachers to give feedback to themselves while still allowing the system for lack of a better word to define, you know, some of the pathways for, for professional learning, um, you know, that's that happy medium uh, where that that's professional learning. That's a hundred percent personalized to what that teacher cares about and what they, and what's happening inside their classroom. And, you know, maybe I chose the checks for understanding uh, pathway and you chose the use of academic language in the content area pathway. Uh, and so whatever it might be, I, I think there are ways to think creatively about feedback and how we're empowering teachers uh, to, you know, 
at the end of the day, get better at their craft uh, so that they can have greater impact with their students. I love it. I love it. This is, uh, you know, it's so, uh, um, so right on the money. And, and one of the things that happens with what you're describing is it, it, you know, when an administrator gives you feedback, the problem with it is that they're possibly your evaluator also. And so it's kind of a scary thing to let yourself be vulnerable in that moment. Just like you said, what if I don't want to accept it? <laughs> or what if I don't agree with you? Or, you know, you know, and it's, it, it's quite possible. It's very good feedback. It's just that there's this little scary moment there where are you giving me feedback because it's now I'm done poorly on my evaluation or is this true feedback to help me that really doesn't have any impact on my evaluation? And, and unfortunately it's the other feeling, whether they'll say it or not, um, there's usually that other feeling that, that might be there, which means that, yeah, are you, are you really going to get the response that you need for them to, you know, to help themselves move forward in whatever that area is? Whereas what you're talking about by, uh, them choosing the areas they're going to, the pathways they're going to follow and such, you know, there's, there's that you've removed the scariness of the, you know, the evil administrator. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that that's a big topic that we should probably reserve for another discussion. But uh, I think my short response there is uh, if you are an administrator in a building, uh, you know, obviously, I believe that administrators should be instructional leaders as well. But um, and you don't have someone with the title coach, uh, you know, I think that absolutely you're hitting on it that you got to you got to create a bright line between the few times I'm going to quote unquote be evaluating you and all the other times I am observing, giving you feedback. And here's the kind of, I think magic I can offer here as an idea, especially when that feedback is via video, allow the teachers to choose any of that video to push back over the fence during those higher stakes evaluation conversations as the evidence they're choosing to demonstrate to you how they have been achieving the thing that you're looking for, or more importantly, in my view, as someone who supports people and, and, you know, helps them in their professional growth, prove and own the idea that they are getting better. Um, Because ultimately I think that's what really matters, right? Like nobody needs to be four out of four or five out of five on every rubric uh, or whatever the evaluation system is. It is having collecting data in safe ways and using data to prove that you are making progress. Um, I mean, hey, that's that's what we expect of the students, the learners inside classrooms. It seems only fair that we would expect that of the educators as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. That's, that's very cool. And by the way, just for the audience, I, I am a former administrator, so I understand the... <laughs> I, I'm not speaking, and as well as a teacher, so I understand that that whole nuance there. Just want to make sure I made that point clear. Uh, I was not. I wasn't trying to paint you in a corner there, Steve. <laughs> oh come on, Adam. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was not a trap. That was not a trap. <laughs> it was just a response. <laughs> All is good. All is good. I, uh, um, <laughs> oh, now you really threw me for a loop. Uh, you know, um, I let's let's circle back now to Athena. So how does Edthena help? How do, how do you come in? How do you how does your company uh, um, help teachers, help school systems, help schools uh, with this process? Well, I, I have a, a, a new phrase I came up with last week. I'll try it out with you for the first time. It may never be said again. I think we're kind of like your operating system for observation and feedback. Um, you know, we... Uh, we don't necessarily, we have some ideas on, on how, how feedback could look, but you know, when we partner with a school or a district, it's really a question of uh, what types of feedback do you want to give? 
how can we um, bring some of that process online? How can our tools streamline the feedback that teachers are getting? How can our tools increase the possibility and opportunities for teacher to teacher collaboration? You know, what are the best practices that you know that are out there that you want to make more visible across your entire learning community uh, among your teachers and scale them up? Um, the micro credentials piece before, right? That, that kind of question of, okay, what are the cycles of learning? learning that you know you want teachers to participate in? How can you establish those and create those as opportunities for, for independent learning? Um, so, so we kind of fit into all of those places, right? Because at the end of the day, Athena is, is a, you know, it's a, it's a technology platform, right? Uh, but I think the thing that sets us apart is, you know, the people on the team, the expertise we bring to the conversation. And I think ultimately also like, it's not the Athena way. It's, your way. We help you achieve these things. It's not, you know, you don't need to achieve the Athena thing. We just help the, the school or the district move forward on their path to kind of really rethinking what that observation and feedback and reflection model looks like um, from a very teacher-centric point of view. Um, you know, I think we, we put teachers first. Um, we're not an evaluation platform. I think all those things, um, really come into play. Um, and, you know, we also hear that uh, the technology is easy and it, and it just works. And uh, we've been called Apple-y in the past. So uh, <laughs> all those things have to be true as well, I guess. Very cool. Very cool. Well, well Adam, as we're getting ready to close, uh, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where would you send them? Uh, well, head to our website, www.edthena.com. And if you haven't seen our name written out before, it's like Athena, but Ed for Education. Uh, so we have information about the platform. You can see our, our commenting tools right there uh, on our homepage. But also check out our blog uh, because we're constantly posting content uh, that's about coaching and feedback. Um, so we're trying to share all the things that we're learning from our various partners and play that back out uh, for the broader education community to, you know, inspire them on um, a, a better version of the future that they can be a part of. Excellent. Excellent. And I will make sure that those links are in the show notes so they can uh, find them easily there as well. So if they're looking at their podcast platform, they can pull it up on their, on their phone or whatever. It'll be right there in the show notes. So good stuff. Uh, so Adam, I got two questions I just want to ask you here to finish up. And the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? And I mean you personally. Well, um, at least as it relates to Athena um, and my work at Athena. And, and, you know, I think it, it comes down to the fact that uh, why am I doing this work? And it's not so different than what a teacher says about why do they keep showing up every day? I mean, we do the work we do because we believe that the best way to have the biggest impact on student outcomes is to ensure that the teacher is the best prepared that they can be. That's the biggest lever you can pull to impact student achievement and set students up for, you know, the better life that we all, all want them to achieve for themselves. So um, I think that's, that's really, that's the, that's the true North here. Um, it's, it may be simplistic in some ways, but um, you know, the, I, I've, I became an educator when I set foot in that classroom in my first year of teaching. I, I still think of myself as an educator. That's awesome. I really like that. Very cool. Uh, last question. If, if you were given a chance to speak at the kickoff of the school 
year coming up, all right, this next school year. So we're, we're talking about this is August of 21, or in some cases, June, July, whenever, <laughs> whenever some of these school systems are starting back. And uh, um, the audience is filled with teachers and administrators ready to start the 21-22 school year. What is something that you would want to say to them? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think it really goes back to that idea of change. And, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about video reflection as a technology today. And really this kind of idea that sometimes, you know, we we have known the, the right thing to do um, and we haven't been willing to make the changes in the past. Um, and I, I think, you know, if we look outside education, a great example of that is in the experience that many of us have had in the past year, maybe for the first time talking to our doctors, you know, we've probably pulled up an app on our phone and done a little video telemedicine experience and thought, well, that was easy. I didn't have to drag down to the doctor's office, waste a whole half a day just to get my 10 minutes of attention. Like, boom, that was great. Um, and I'd ask you like, do you want to go back to dragging down to the, to the doctor's office? And most people would say, no, what a waste of time. Like I need to go there sometimes, but I don't need to go every single time. Um, so like, okay, we all suddenly love telemedicine, but you know, telemedicine as an idea has been around and has been getting talked about for more than a hundred years. So, you know, sometimes the best ideas are the old ideas that we just weren't willing to act on. So at least in the, in the case of professional learning and teacher growth, I think it's really true when we talk about video, we have known for decades that teachers watching themselves on video, teachers watching each other on video and teachers interacting in online spaces, talking about teaching will help them get better. So let's embrace that. Let's not discard some of the changes we've been making in the past year, whether it's teacher reflection or teaching itself, just to go back to the old way because uh, we're so eager to go back. Uh, come on, like let's embrace that, that newness. Let's, let's be okay with it. Let's do the work to make the change because, you know, sometimes the best ideas are the old ideas. We just need to act on them. Very cool. Very cool. Adam, thanks so much for talking with me today. Uh, thanks for sharing your ideas about utilizing video to support the classroom teacher in the ways that Athena can help. You know, I wish you the best in all you do. Thanks so much for having me back. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.